Everybody breathe. Um, I'd like to share a few things before I jump into the, the message. Uh, um, I, I know a couple things. I'm, I'm standing on a couple things, and I'm confident of a few things. And, and uh, I know two things. I know that this is an incredibly uh, tough and difficult time of transition for Randy and his family. Number two, I know it's going to be a, a tough and difficult time of transition for Maple Grove. I'm standing on two things as well. I'm standing on God's Word. I'm standing on Romans 8, verse 28, where God says, We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And Romans 8, and Romans 8 37, that says, In all things, we, in all these things, we, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us and gave His life for us. And, and I'm also, I'm, I'm confident of three things. I'm confident that, that God is not done using Randy and his family to reflect God's character, to bring him honor and glory. Um, number two, I'm confident that God is not done with Maple Grove, that he continues to want to use us in our journey to connect people to a life-changing relationship to Jesus as we, as we seek the lost, make disciples, and show compassion. And I'm also confident of a third thing that as a, as a pastor and shepherd of our church, I, I, I want to mention, I'm also confident that our enemy, uh, the thief, uh, the serpent, is licking his dark and evil chops and is already planning how to use this situation for his glory and not God's, hoping to stir up a, a bunch of negative noise that will hurt the bride of Christ. And I say, let's not let him do that. Amen. And this morning I was thinking, hey, this is like a heavy load to drop on folks, and, and I was wondering, okay, how do I segue into the message time? And, and God said, well, maybe you should pray. And I go, that's a good idea, God. I go, what should I pray? He goes, well, there's like this prayer that I, I told you all to pray one time, and I go, that's good, God, you're, thank you, you're helping me out here. And so we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer in just a minute. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and, and what I, I want you to think, go ahead and see, you can stand now, and, and what I, I want you all to think about is when we... And it's going to be a mixture of NLT, living Bible message, you know, you know who knows what we're going to be saying um, of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, um, but you get to that part, you know, may your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, earth, I want us to think also specifically, may God's will be done in the Rogers family, and may God's will be done at Maple Grove as it is done in heaven. So uh, pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Y'all can grab your seat. Amen. Last week, we kicked off our new series that we're calling Tuned In, Hearing God's Voice Above the Noise. It's a, it, it's a six-week conversation where we're, well, we're, we're going to learn how to, how to overcome the lies of the enemy with the voice and promises of God. And, and the premise for the series is this, the voice we believe will determine the future we experience. The voice we believe 
will determine the future we will experience. And on the count of three, I want you guys to say that with me. One, two, three. The voice we believe will determine the future we will experience. And remember, as I said last week, that at least in theory, getting tuned in is as simple as A, B, C, D, E. And the A stands for acknowledge that there are other voices. I mean, would anybody out there agree with me that there are other voices out there, this negative chatter that, that wants to invade our minds, that wants to depress our souls, that wants to derail our dreams and destroy our destiny? You're not good enough. You sounded really stupid when you said that. Why do you always do those things? You'll never measure up, so why bother? Why would anybody want to be around a person like you? God must be really disappointed with the way you are. B stands for believe that we get to choose. Believe that, that we get to choose the voices that we will listen to. And remember, everything in our lives will be created or destroyed by the words that we speak and the words that we believe. So let's choose our words and our listening wisely. The C stands for call out our inner critic. Yeah, the devil is our enemy, but our mind is the battleground. I understand for many of us that the biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle, the thing that we must defeat and overcome is not stuff out there, but it's the stuff that's going on right between our own ears. I don't know about you, but many, time I, many times I am my own worst enemy. Yes, many times, if not most times, the enemy is enemy. The D stands for dialogue with the proper destiny. And guys, this is huge because the dialogue that we choose to participate in determines the destiny we will experience. I understand the reason that a lot of us in this room are not fulfilling our destiny is because like Eve in the garden, we are dialoguing with the devil. We've engaged in the wrong conversations with the wrong people. We are listening to the wrong voices. The other part of that D stands for detect the distortion. Remember, our enemy is crafty. The Bible says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? I understand, the devil will say whatever he has to say, and he'll take whatever form he needs to take. Your parents, your spouse, your friends, the media, social media, a magazine cover, to keep you from seeing who you really are in Christ. And that's why we must take, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we must take every thought captive, every thought, and make it a beating to Christ. I mean, we're, we're, like at a, we're like at a border crossing, right? Hey, you look suspicious, thought. Come on inside. We got to talk. Uh, let's turn on this interrogation. I'm not sure where you came from. Understand, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Understand, it, it, in this six-week conversation, we're going to learn how to detect the enemy's voice of distortion and replace it with the voice of God. And, and the E stands for every day, hear what God wants to hear. And I love this point because it's what led me to buy me a pair of a, a, a super wireless beats, right? And, and you know, every day, hear what, I know I'm going to be super loud. My dad did that all the time in communion. Yeah, it was hard to hearing, okay? But every day, hear what God wants to hear. 
And, and, and I, I woke up this morning and I, and I literally prayed. I said, Holy Spirit, what thoughts do you want me to think this morning? And just one word came over me, trust. And then a flood of scriptures started pouring over me, uh, like Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed are those who, who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted by the riverbed with roots that reach down deep into the soil. And then, and then Proverbs uh, chapter 3, 5, and 6 came flooding over me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart right? There's no trust anywhere else. Trust all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And then Isaiah uh, 26, 3 and 4, uh, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Every day, hear what God wants you to hear. Well, these really do make things different when you got them on. Well, that's where we were last week. And this week, we're going to begin unpacking those, those four confessions that are, are grounded in the promises of God, those four confessions, those four saying with and agreeing with God uh, that, targets, that target the main areas that, uh, that the enemy, who is the father of lies, uses to, to weaken our faith, to corrupt our worth, and derail and destroy our destiny. Question, do you ever struggle with insecurity? Well, in just a few minutes, we're going to learn how we can begin to overcome that with the confession, God says, I am. We got name labels you can take when you leave, and, and, and I'm going to do the God says. You got that I am part, right? You guys ready to go on this? Okay. God says, I am. God says, I am. And then next week, we're going to learn how, how to overcome fear uh, with the confession, God says, God says, he will. man, are you afraid of something right now? God says, he will. and then on the 31st of May, we're going to learn how to get past shame and condemnation with the confession. God says, God says, God says, and then on the 7th of June, um, somebody's going to learn how to get past disappointment and defeat with the confession. God says, God says, amen. Let's do this in security. God says I am. And, and, and this morning it is May the 10th, 2015. Some of you need to mark that down because you're going to look back years from the day and say that's the day that a significant impact happened in my life. And, and, and I kind of want to um, unpack this confession by, by looking at two statements. Number one, insecurity, every person's battle. Number two, insecurity, uh, one guy's journey to the other side. And when we unpack this second uh, statement, we're going we're gonna to meet a guy who God used in the greatest of ways, yet this guy struggled with insecurity at the deepest of levels. All right, so uh, God's got something to say. He's not dead. He's surely alive, and he's roaring like a lion in this place today, and we need to pray that we hear his voice. So Let's all breathe, open our palms, symbolic, we're ready to receive from God. God, we love you, and God, we need you. We need to hear your voice. There's so much chatter, so much noise sometimes, God. And Lord, I pray today we hear your voice. And for those in this room like me who often battle insecurity, I pray that the day is a day that defines a moment that changes our destiny. And God, help me to say what you want me to say in the way that you want me to say it. We pray the enemy has no place in this building because this is your home, not his. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Insecurity, every person's battle. Uh, I came across in my studies this week an article in the Huffington Post uh, that talked about 20 celebrities who battle insecurity. I'll show you a picture of a couple of them. Here's one. Um, Ryan Reynolds, he says, I, f- I still feel like an overweight, pimply kid a lot of the time. Okay. Uh, here's another person you may have heard of, Sandra Bollock. She says, I'm an optimistic, joyous person, but also afraid and insecure. And there are others on that list. Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Justin Timberlake, and a bunch more. And check out what this very fr- famous per- person said in an interview with Vogue magazine a few years back. Uh, my, my, my drive in life comes from uh, a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I, I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. And that was written by a lady named Madonna. Like I said, insecurity. It's pretty much every person's battle. Now, I spent some time this week, I, I really wanted to find you know, some research where I could put some you know, percentages on the board of how people struggle with insecurity. I, I couldn't find, find it anywhere. Um, so we're going to do one in here. We're going to do our own little survey. Okay? Raise your hands if you've ever struggled with insecurity. Okay? All right, you can put your hands down. Raise your hands if you have struggled with feelings of insecurity a whole lot more than you would like. Okay? Hands down. Raise your hands if you're feeling too insecure to raise your hands. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I think we're, we're a good company, right? Uh, what are some causes? Here's three, I think, three main causes of insecurity. And number one is believing the lies of the enemy. Jesus said, about our enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Maple Grove, our enemy, he is a liar, and he'll do whatever he needs to do. He'll say whatever he needs to say in an effort to attack your worth, to attack your value, to attack your security in Christ. And remember, he, he, he's going to speak his lies through other people, right? It could be your mom, it could be your dad, it could be your kids, it could be your husband, your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, and ex. And so the question is, you know, how do we, how do we recognize and determine if the voice we're hearing is from God or from our enemy? Well, John Eldridge in his book, Waking the Dead, kind of gives us a, a good idea here. He says this, all right, so you're, this chatter's going on in your head. Well, where did this come from? Uh, he says, any word or suggestion that brings discouragement, condemnation, or accusation, that is not from God. Neither is confusion, nor any counsel that would lead you to disobey what you know is right. Reject it all and carry on in your journey. The voice of God is never condemning, never harsh or accusing. His conviction brings a desire for repentance. Satan's accusations kills our what? Our hearts. Those are hearts. That's great advice there. And we need to stop believing the lies, you know, of the enemy. And John Eldridge has a couple of quotes that I just, you know, that were etched on my heart for the past 10 years that mean a lot to me. And here's the first quote. 
You know, you are not who you think you are. Uh, There's a glory to your life that the enemy fears, and he is hell-bent on destroying that glory before you act on it. And then another quote, the story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows who you could be, and he fears it. We have to stop believing the lies of the enemy. Another cause of insecurity is what I call drinking the deadly toxin of comparison. Now, during my my studies, I came across an article on the Psychology Today website dated April 7, 2015, entitled The Epidemic of Insecurity. Here's how the article goes. Remember those good old days when you were a child and your parents used to always tell you how wonderful, great, and one-of-a-kind you were? Oh, Lily knows her alphabet already. She's the smartest little girl. Jimmy, he's so good to help Granny with the chores. Isn't he the kindest boy you know? And Annie in her new dress is so lovely. When she grows up, she's going to be the most beautiful girl on earth. It felt really good to hear that about yourself. Like you could do anything and be the best at everything. Do you know why you were so confident and proud of yourself then? It's not because everyone said that you were the most perfect little human being. It's because you actually believed it. You know, we just had our baby dedication. And, and I'm pretty, I think that Emily and Joseph and, and Savannah Grace, I think they're okay with themselves. I think they're pretty good. They're like, hey, I just did really good poo-poo yesterday. Did you see the poo-poo? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, they're, 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 they're feeling good about themselves. And so did we at that age. The article continues. Sorry about the poo-poo. Okay. It says, and then you grew up. And you grew a mind of your own. Right, let me guess. And not so many people tell you, now that you are the smartest, funniest, or most good-looking person out there. And when they do, you don't tend to believe them as readily and completely as you used to as a little kid. And here, this is powerful. At some point in your life, somewhere in your mind, you started comparing yourself to others. And that's the point when your self-esteem and belief in your world supremacy suffered its first blow. At some point in your life, somewhere in your mind, you started comparing yourself to others. I understand, nothing can kill contentment and feed insecurity like comparison. And listen, now more than any other time in history, we live in a culture of incessant comparison. I mean, through the media, uh, both social and traditional We have instant access to the lies of people we know, people we don't know, people we can't stand, people we'd like to know, of people we'd give anything to measure up to. Well, not exactly access to their lives. We have access to the parts of the lives that they would like us to see. I mean, nobody ever puts on Facebook the picture of of Tommy karate, karate chopping his little brother in the sternum in line at Disney World. Or, or post a shot of, of, of Sally slamming the door and rolling her eyes because mom wouldn't let her go to the movies Friday night with their friends. Instead, people post the shots of Tommy holding the game ball and Sally accepting the dance competition trophy. And the enemy uses all of this, the images we see of who we think other people are and what we think they're doing to make us feel that we are boring by comparison, maybe even worthless. You, you see, One of the main reasons we struggle with insecurity is because we are comparing our behind-the-scene 
snapshots with everybody else's highlight reel. Have you ever went on Facebook and after a while you're like, man, I'm just like really not feeling good about myself, man. Okay. If so, you're not alone. I'll wait you for one. And a study was conducted by the University of Gothenburg, Sweden, where the researchers found that prolonged Facebook usage negatively impacted the user's self-esteem, with women being more affected than men. I mean, like right now, I mean, you're feeling pretty good, guys, right? You know, uh, what you got your mom or your wife. I mean, I I did good this year. But then you're going to go and you're going to Facebook or Instagram, and you're going to like, if someone did something really incredible, hot air balloon, wine, cheese, and crackers, taking them out for the weekend, and suddenly that box of chocolates is not looking so good. You see, comparison affects our security in a powerful way. And so when it comes to comparing, there's only one defense. Just say no. Just don't go there. Unless you're comparing yourself to Christ and wanting to be more like him. I remember as a teenager you know, being a victim of this comparison thing. And, and I, I mean, I, I drank that toxin like crazy. And I wasn't a believer, uh, but, but, but God used a, 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 another a group of theologians, you could say, uh, called Sticks, the band Sticks. And, and, and they put out what, what I think is uh, one of the, uh, the greatest albums in the 70s called The Grand Illusion. And, and, and they had some words that really dealt with this idea of comparing, and uh, I'm so tempted to sing it. Um, but uh, don't be fooled by the radio, the TV, or the magazine. They show you photographs of how your life should be, but they're just someone else's fantasy. So if you think your life is complete confusion because you never win the game or another line because your neighbor's got it made, just remember that it's a grand illusion. And deep inside, we're all the same. We're all the same. A third cause of insecurity is what I call casting our security anchor to the wrong things. Early Friday morning, I, I was thinking about insecurity, and I, I, thought about, I thought about a boat being tossed about on the, the winds and the waves, just being thrown all over the place. And, and, and so I found a picture of a boat, and and in uh, and, and this picture, uh, the, the boat is you and your security, and the, and the winds and the waves are, are, are the opinions and approval of people and the circumstances of life, and it's just throwing your personal security all over the place. And this picture, like, that, that boat's like in trouble. I mean, it's not that big of a boat. No waves are looking pretty bad, and, and, and you've been giving the job. Okay, we need to get that. We need to cast our anchor somewhere. Now, you go, okay, I got some ideas here. And you go, hey, I think I'll cast the anchor onto the winds and the waves. Be like, would that be a good idea or a bad idea? Okay, bad idea. Not going to work, right? Okay, well, I'll cast the anchor to the boat itself. Again, not going to work. And if anybody did that, right, if you're sailing with someone, they actually did that, I mean, you take away their sailor card, right? Really dumb. Why are you doing that? Okay, and here's the point I'm trying to make. Maple Grove, if we want our security to be stable, We must cast our anchor to something far beyond and much deeper than the circumstances of our lives or the ever-changing ways and winds of people's opinions and approval, including our own. I'm going to say that again. If you want your security to be stable, 
You must cast your anchor to something far beyond and much deeper than the circumstances of your life or the approval and opinions of people, even your own. Instead, we must anchor our security to Christ and on his word that says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I think there's something that God wants to say to just about everybody in this room. And it's going to pop up on the screen. And the blank's your name. I'm going to stick my name in there. And you can stick your own name in there. But I think God would like to pinch our little chubby cheeks and say this to us. Steve, you're spending too much time and energy assessing other people's assessment of you. Steve, I want you, beginning this very moment, to reinvest all that time and energy anchoring your life to my radical and complete acceptance and approval of you. Man, too much, right? We're always assessed. What do they think about me? What do they think about me? I, I, can, I, I can be obsessed with that assessing thing. <laughs> After Sunday, hey, any, anybody quoting any of my sermons out there? Any, any tweets about my message, you know? We're nuts! Again, some of the main causes of insecurity, believing the lies of the enemy, drinking the deadly toxin of comparison, and casting our security anchor on the wrong things. Next, the cost of insecurity. This will be brief, but it's a big deal. Here's that quote from Brendan Manning from last week. Great deeds remain undone, a question, what, what great deeds remain undone? What, what, what dreams have not been fulfilled? Uh, how, how many lives have not been touched because you have not been able to push past your insecurity? And the possibility of growth and the greatness of soul is aborted. See, we never become the person we're intended to be if we're, in, if we're insecure because we are made in the image of God, and I don't think God has an insecurity problem. Uh, let alone all this needless pain we suffer emotionally uh, because we're trying to find our security in things that will never give it to us when God is already giving us his acceptance. Okay, now for that second statement, insecurity, one guy's journey to the other side. Uh, the guy's name is Moses. We'll, we'll begin looking at his story in Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, uh, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, there, uh, I like that. You see, sometimes God has to take us there. He has to take us someplace away from the noise, someplace in the wilderness so, so that he can speak to us. There, in the wilderness, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. The bush was engulfed in flames. It didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Had to freak him out. Moses! I've never seen a talking bush. I'd freak out. Moses, Moses! Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your shoes, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their sufferings. So I came down. I like that. I don't know what you're going through, but I love this. God says, I have certainly seen, I have heard, I am well aware of, so I am coming down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile land and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. You're going to like living there. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Termites now live. That's just like an easy joke. It's like cats and country music. It wins every time. <laughs> hey, don't deflate me right now, okay? He says, it's a good land, you're going to like it, but you're going to have to fight if you really want to live there. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harsh the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, up until verse 11, we basically had a conversation going on between two people, God and Moses. And no, the, the bush doesn't count. That, that was just the vehicle that God used. But in, but in verse 11, a third character joins in on the discussion. Okay, so Moses is hearing, God's going to do all these great things, and he's even going to work through him. And immediately the noise, the negative chatter begins to rage in Moses' mind. How do I know because of Moses' response, he says, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to do this, Lord? And it's here we see the first thing that Moses, Moses needs to push through in order to get past his insecurity. He has to push through this feeling of, I'm so dysfunctional. Ever feel that way? Now, we got to understand his backstory a little bit. Because if we just read this part, we may think, hey, um, Moses just feels that he's not you know, important enough for this great task, but there's more to it than that. You see, in order to, to really understand the noises that someone is dealing with, well, we have to understand the history of their experience. Because the enemy loves to use our history to inform our insecurity in order to keep us dysfunctional and away from our destiny. I understand, that's what the noise is doing to Moses. So he responds, who am I? Who am I? I'm a messed up guy. Who am I? I'm a murderer. I understand, many years earlier, Moses, rather than waiting on God to move, decided to force the issue and take things into his own hands, and he messed it up. As we always do, church, when we try to do anything without first consulting God. Amen? And, and, and now, he, he, he's Hebrew by birth, but he was, he was raised in the Egyptian culture, and he's tired of watching his people get slapped around. And we read in Exodus 2, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. Uh, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day, when Moses went out to visit the people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. The men replied, 
Who are you? Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian? Yeah, that's right. We know about it. We saw what you did. We, we know what you did. And Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard about it, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. And now, many years later, God shows up and begins to tell Moses of the incredible things that, that he wants to do in him and through him. And immediately, the enemy starts overwhelming Moses with the noise about what he did in the past, which obviously means that God can't use him now. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, I mean, God starts telling you of some of the things that he would like to do in you and what he would like to do through you, and immediately the noise begins to remind you of what you did and how, how somehow that disqualifies you. Moses says, who am I? I'm a man in hiding. I'm so messed up. I, I, I'm, I'm a failure. And, and have, you, have you noticed that the, the noise gets us, gets us to talk in first person? I, I mean, if it would use second person language, you're a failure. You're messed up. I mean, we might bow up at least a little and try to fight back. But the noise gets us to say this stuff to ourselves. Who am I? I'm so messed up. I'm so dysfunctional. I'm the one who never follows through. I'm the one who, who can't. And, and let's be real, church. It, it's not just the stuff that you and I did before we knew Christ that makes us feel dysfunctional. It's the stuff that we haven't stopped doing since we come to know him that makes us feel that way. Now, the bush is burning, God is speaking, and the noise has never been louder for Moses. Moses, I know you. I know you, Moses. I, I know what you did. I, I know who you are. Uh, you, you see, there's this sense here where Moses, I think, I, I think he's caught off guard. He's like, okay, I know you, God. Are, are you kidding me? I, I know you, you. You're like the God of my father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I know you, and I know me, and you know me. So why are we even having this conversation to begin with? question, have you ever wondered how God can know you so very well and yet love you so very much and want to use you in so many great ways? Stop wondering and start accepting. Start trusting in it. Start living from it. Now, chapter 4, 10 through 12, we, we see the the next thing Moses had to push through, the feelings of, I'm so deficient. I'm so deficient. Here, here's a definition here. Deficient. I, I know that one part that's like, supposed to help you say it. If that's all I had to say it, I'd never learn how to say that word. De, de high fish, uh, deficient. Okay, anyhow. Latin, adjective. That describes a person, place, or thing. In this case, it would be you, right? Lacking some element or characteristic. Defective, insufficient, inadequate. Not having enough of something that is important or necessary. A problem the way something was made or formed. Not good enough, not as good as others. You ever felt that way? I am blank enough. I, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough. 
I'm not strong enough. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not organized enough. I'm not consistent enough. I'm not enough. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to me. I wasn't good speaking last week. I know we've been talking for like 20 minutes, but I don't feel like anything's changed yet. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I'm so deficient. I can't speak like other people can. I'm not as gifted as they are. I can't do what they do. I'm not as smart as they are. The Lord said to him, I love it, who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gave them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, Moses, who made you, Moses? Now go. And I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. I'll be your coach. I'll be your teacher. I'll put the words in your mouth. I'll write the script. Moses, who made you? But God, I'm just so deficient. I understand. When you doubt the product, you insult the one who made that product. And that's why insecurity, it's an insult to God. It's like we're saying, hey, God, you messed up. I know you said that I'm your masterpiece, but I kind of think that I'm one of those velvet Elvis paintings in a flea market that someone's trying to get a few bucks for. I'm not feeling like I'm hanging in the Louvre somewhere. Bottom line, the antidote to insecurity is getting back to the source. Who made you? Scripture says... We are God's masterpiece. The Greek word poema, where we get our English word poem. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And now Moses is out of excuses. I mean, he's already seen that his past cannot confine or define him because God has already spoken into his future. And he's also seen that he's no longer limited by his deficiencies because God can take care and override every one of those deficiencies. And also because God sometimes likes us to have deficiencies, that way we lean harder into him and his power can be shown more greatly through our weaknesses. But Moses, he still doesn't believe. Because I'm so doubtful. But Moses said, uh, pardon your servant again, Lord. Lord, I hear what you're saying. I think it's a really good idea. I think this really needs to happen. It should happen. But could you please send someone else? No excuse this time. We are watching a guy do battle with insecurity. I mean, it is a fight to the death cage match. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he says, what about your brother Aaron the Levi? I I know he can speak well. He's already on the way to meet you. He will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses, I'm not giving up on you. You may have given up on yourself, and you may be in this room today, and you've given up on yourself. I want you to know the creator of the universe never gives up on his people. He never gives up on his creation. He knows the plans he has for you. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if uh, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. And go ahead and take this stick with you because I'm going to let you do some really cool stuff with it. You know, and I'm going to be honest, I I see a lot of myself in Moses' battle with insecurity. 
And, and you know what I, I find interesting? Nowhere, nowhere in this encounter do we ever see Moses doubting God. I mean, no time does Moses doubt that God can do it. He doesn't doubt that God can rescue and deliver his people. He, he doesn't doubt that God can deliver his people from the powerful Egyptian empire. You know, I, I, I used to think that the problem that most of us had when it comes to not living up to our potential in Christ is that, that we didn't believe in God enough. So we need to trust God more, believe in God more, because God is able. But you know what? I'm starting to see, I'm starting to think that for most of us, it's not that we doubt God. It's that we doubt what God can do in and through us. God, I don't doubt you can deliver your people. God, I don't doubt that you can do great things. I don't doubt that you can take your fame across the day. I don't doubt that you can change the world. I don't doubt that you can make a difference. I don't doubt you, God. I know you can do it. I just doubt me. God, it's not you. It's me. You ever have someone say that to you? It's not you. It's me, right? As they break up with you. Hey, God, it's not. God, it's not. It's not you, God. It's me. I'm not doubting you, God. I'm doubting me. And now, I intentionally left the part out of the story that is really the key to overcoming insecurity. It's, it's back in, all the way back in chapter 3 again. In um, verse 13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Hey, well, what is his name? What's his name? What, what am I going to tell them? And God, you're going to send me. I, I at least need to know what your name is. And God said to Moses, I am. I think Moses is like, okay, got that part. <laughs> got some more, I think we got cut off. I am. This is what you're to say to Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. I am. Now understand Moses. I, I'm not just the God who was. I, I'm not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I'm not just the God who will be. I am the God who is. I'm not just the God who was there when you were messing up in your past. I'm not just the God who be standing up there in your future. No, Moses, I'm the God that's standing with you right now, right here, right where you are. I am the God of the now. I am the God of the is. I am an ever-present God. God would say to Moses, not us, Moses, I know you have doubts. I, I know you feel so dysfunctional. And, and I know you look at your life and you compare it to others and you feel so deficient, so inadequate, like you're missing something. But Moses, I, I want you to know that I am the God who fills in every blank that you're not. I want you to know, Moses, that I'm the God who is what you are not. But God, I'm feeling pretty messed up right now. I'm not feeling too good. I'm feeling kind of dysfunctional. And God says, I know, but I am. God, I'm feeling kind of deficient, like I'm lacking in so many areas. And God says, I know, but I am. Moses says, God, I'm full of doubts right now. And God says, I know, but I am. But, but God, I, I feel so alone and overwhelmed. And God says, I, I know, 
but I am. God, I'm losing hope right now. And God says, I know, but I am. God, I'm feeling tired and weary right now. And God says, I, I, I know, but I am. God, I, I don't think I have what it takes. And God says, I know, but I am. I am. I am. It's May the 10th, 2015, and the bush is burning, and God is speaking, and he's drowning out the noise. And he wants to say to us, it's not about who you are or who you are not. It's about who I am. And about who I am says you are. It's not about who you are. It's not about who you're not. It's about who I am, and who I am says you are. I, I, I don't like myself very much in this moment, but God says I am loved. I, I, I don't seem to be gaining much ground in this battle, but God says I am more than a conqueror. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in myself right now, but God says I am strong and courageous. I, I don't know how long I can continue to struggle with this sin, but God says, I am forgiving and free. God, God I, I don't see enough progress in, in my life right now. I see a lot of the old, but God says, I am a new creation. God, my, my poll numbers may not be too high right now, but God says, I am loved, I am chosen, I am accepted, I am his, I am precious to him. I, I don't feel very valuable or worthwhile right now, but God says, I am his masterpiece. I feel like I don't measure up or have anyone's approval, but God says, I am accepted and I am adopted by him into his family. I'm losing hope, God. I, I don't see any light at the end of this title, but God says, I am going home. You see, again, guys, it's, 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 not, it's not about who you are. It's not about who you're not. It's about who God is and who God says you are. God says, God says, I believe in you all. God says, I am. God says, I am. Man, you're going to leave this place. You're going to go out in the world. It's going to beat you up some more, right? It's going to try to tell you all kinds of lies about who you are. But God says, I am. Somebody's going to put you down. Somebody's not going to believe you. They're not going to invite you to lunch this week. But God says, I am. God says, I am. And we're going to sing a song right now. I love this song. Because there's a lot of voices out there, a lot of words being spoken over us, to us, about us. And this song is called Last Word. And I'm here to tell you that when it comes to who you are, your mom, your dad, your parents, your friends, your ex, your enemies, the devil, Satan, the serpent, does not have the last word. The last word about who you are comes from God. And God says you're pretty stinking awesome, right? 
Like I say, if he had a wallet, your picture would be on it, in it, right? Right there, he'd be bragging on you. Facebook, did you see how good they look? You see how awesome they are? God loves you. And he has the last word every time about who you are. God says, I am. God says, I am. God says, I am. And his opinion is the only one that matters. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we come to you. As people, many of us have drank deeply from the waters, the toxic waters of comparison. We've listened too long to the lies of the enemy. And God, we've anchored our hope, our identity to all the wrong stuff, to our own opinions, to people's approval, to whether we're having a good day or a bad day, whether we're being applauded or not being applauded. And God, God, help us to push through and know that it's not about who we are. It's not about who we're not. It's about I am. And who I am says we are. In Jesus' name, amen.